Our scriptures this morning are going to be read from the book of Exodus, chapter 12. And throughout many places in scripture, we read of these very detailed directions and things that God has got planned out for his people that he shares with them. And when we read those, we we see how orderly and how meticulous God is, but also that he has a purpose and a plan for every single thing that he does. And it's well thought out. And when he conveys that to us, we see the beauty in all of that as we get from one point to another. But throughout the, the, the main message with all of this is not just to follow the plan, but to be ready, to be prepared. And that's exactly what God is doing in this, this passage, is preparing his people for a very, very big change. We start in chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old animals without defect, and you may take them from either the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they will eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roasted over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it until morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word, and may we be in prayer. Lord, we want to be prepared just like you prepared the people of Israel. They not only followed your directions as to how to prepare and and get the meat and the meal ready, but they were ready to go. They were ready to leave and were to eat, pretty much ready to head out the door. And so, Lord, we just pray that in the days and weeks ahead that we will be ready, that we will be prepared to make the move that you have intended for us, to do the work that you have in store for us, because you have great things in store for us, just like you did for the Israelites who were leaving the, the only place that they knew for some of them and heading off into the unknown. And so, Lord, we just pray 
for our change, for our move, and for all of the things that you have in store for us. We know that it's not unknown because you have every detail of it planned. And we just pray that you will make that known to us when we need to, to be aware of those things and just to be ready. And as Pastor Mike comes forward this morning to share his message with us that you've given him, we just ask for open hearts and open minds to hear the words and to know that they come from you and that these are our next steps. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I love this uh, picture on the bulletin right now that uh, our director of communications came up with, uh, uh, Jenny Wildman, <clears throat> that we're on the move logo. And I'm going to start because this whole sermon series is about that, not just about us moving our stuff, but about uh, groups in the, in the Bible that move. <clears throat> As you can see, like promised last week, we took one, two, three stained glass windows out, Jesus, the peace window, and the Moses window. They're not done, so don't get... They'll be back Thursday. They better be. Yeah, we have what they want, which is the money, so they'll be back. Secondly, um, we're on the move. So I don't know if you've been out there in real life or if you've watched on social media somewhere else. Uh, there are walls going up for classrooms in our building right now. Uh, about uh, three-quarters of the concrete and the inside is, is poured. The electricians are running uh, conduits and so forth. So we are getting close. And this whole sermon series about we are on the move is really kind of a workshop group of sermons to, to help us emotionally and spiritually prepare for the move. Now, sometimes that really hits home. Last week, I gave a talk on uh, Abraham's response to God calling him to sacrifice Isaac. And you, you know the story. He took Isaac up to Mount Moriah. Now, at the 11 o'clock service, we had a number of children here with their families, younger children. And uh, I don't know that Pastor Mike was that interesting, but the sermon really caught their attention. And they really listened to it. And, and I had three dads call me during the week or email me and say, man, my kids were really listening to us. And uh, they, they thought, they asked me, Dad, do we still do that today? We still sacrifice children, and two of them said, oh, no, Jesus came by, and, and we don't do that anymore. That's not appropriate. But one of them said, well, you know, I've got a trouble, you know, one that's giving me some trouble, and I just looked at him and said, sometimes. <laughs> Depends who you are, whether you thought that was funny or not. Let's get right to our scripture for today. It ends with the Lord saying, this is a day to commemorate. This is a day to commemorate. If you believe in me and follow my instructions, this should be a day to commemorate. If you follow my instructions, this will be a great day because if you, then I will. I will provide you a wonderful new beginning. You know, in the scriptures, it really comes down to this simple question. Will you trust the mover? Will you trust the mover? Will you risk trusting the mover? It's hard to. <clears throat> a number of years ago, 20-some years ago, we were moving from Indianola to Webster City, Iowa. And you know, you have to trust your movers. In my life, the first mover, of course, is God. I listen to him, 
And I was quite a bit happy at Simpson College. I loved being a chaplain. I loved working with that age group, 17 to 23-year-olds. It was a lot of fun. I didn't, I, I mean, there was no bad thing I could say about it. And I trusted the bishop. And so when the bishop called me and talked to me about a place in central Iowa, Teresa and I sat down and prayed and say, we trust him. Let's go. So we hired a moving company, like you have to do. And when we were moving out of our Indian old house, these two very experienced movers, looked like they'd been doing it for many, many years, came and they expertly moved the stuff out of my house into the moving van and said, see you tomorrow morning in Webster City. We got up to Webster City and two other fellows had arrived. They were day workers. They were just going to help them move stuff in. And this is what had happened. Now, before we moved in, the chair of the trustees had uh, called me and said, Pastor Vern's moving out on Sunday. This is really kicking me up here, back behind me. Something is really loud behind me. Are you guys getting that too, or is it just me? Just me? You're hearing it a little bit? Okay, good. Um, they'll fix it then. They don't care about me, but they care about you. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but this is what happened. Thank you. That's it. Um, the trustees had called me and said, we have five days to paint your house. So what lumber yard do you have in town that we have here? We have Ace and all that. And I went and got the chips, and Teresa picked out the paint, and then we sent it up to them, and they said, no problem. And so the house was still really freshly painted when we got there, every inch of it. It was great. And so these two guys that were hired, not the original movers, but the, the movers that came by later, when they got that, they took a first, the first thing off was the stuff from the basement, and they carried this, this set of shelves down, and they walked down the basement backwards. They got down there to where they, they should stop, and they waited another foot and shoved them right through the wall. I said, good first impression for me on the trustees right there. And I thought, you know, that's okay. I trust these guys. So then they got Teresa and I's brand new stove. And they walked in through the front door of that brick Tudor-style house. And as they walked through the front door, they clipped every single knob off of it. And then I said, I don't trust my mover anymore. <laughs> I went into the truck where the two experienced guys were and said, I trust you. I don't trust them. I don't want them touching my oak furniture. And interestingly enough, that was the last thing those guys moved. But, but the question is, when we're moving, are we willing to risk trusting the mover. The Israelites trusted the Lord. The Lord had provided many things to them in their past, and they had a good leader in Moses, and Moses convinced them that they must leave the place that they were at. And so the people said, let's go. It's, it's the right thing to go. Let, let's go. But you know, they weren't too far out of Egypt. When they started questioning Moses and Aaron, saying, do you know where you're going? Do you, do you know where you're taking us? Do you really know? Now, this is no small group, but do you know where you're going? And then, not too long after that, <clears throat> they looked back and saw a big dust cloud behind them and said, oh my gosh, he, he's coming. Pharaoh's coming behind us. He's tracking us down from behind. What's going to happen to us? And they started not trusting their mover. Are you willing to risk trusting the mover? 
Because moving is really, really hard. When we moved into Webster City, uh, I don't know if you know this, but sometimes men have a hard time asking people for directions. And I, I looked around town and I could see from the size of people that they had nutrition in town. But I couldn't find Hy-Vee, Fairway, anything. I drove up and down Old Highway 20, which is the main street. They're not a grocery store in this place. I thought, well, surely they don't drive to Fort Dodge or Iowa Falls to get their food. And, you know, after the girls had not eaten for a few days, <laughs> Teresa said, ask someone. So I asked my neighbor, I said, where's Hy-Vee? And he said, having lived there his whole life, out on Beach Street. Okay, well, where's Beach Street? At the end of Bank Street. Driving around town again. Eventually I bumped into it. As you can see, we found the grocery store. But moving is really, really hard. Very same week, I'd driven down to Mary Greeley Hospital in Ames to, to visit a congregation member I didn't know, and I was on the way back. I don't know what was the hurry, but I was hurrying because that's what the highway patrol told me. <laughs> and I gave him my license, and he's looking at it, and he said, Mike Morgan, you have an Indian old, you're not from around here. I said, well, I just moved here. He says, Mike Morgan, I should know that you're my new preacher. (laughs) Got a warning. (laughs) He never forgot my name. But don't speed on Highway 69, just so you know. But, but moving is really, really hard. And the Israelites find that too. They find that moving is really, really hard. They have lots of stuff. There's 2 million people in this move out of Egypt. They have, not only do they have their stuff that they'd accumulated, but on the way out, on, on the way out, they, they were able to, without a battle, plunder the Egyptians. Because the Egyptians are just saying, take what you want, but go just just move out of here and there's all these people and then they get up to the red sea this is a hard move they're carrying all their stuff they're moving a town the size of kansas city and they and they run into this lake and so in the first few weeks they're they're hungry or as my wife calls it hangry they're hot they're tired but here's the thing that we know about moving is you don't really know what's going to happen when you move you don't you have ideas But you really don't have any certainty. The Israelites hated where they were. They hated Egypt, everything about it. And they knew we got to go. You know, as a congregation, that's different for us. We love it where we're at. But still, we know we got to go. We got to go. And just so you know, we will look back fondly on where we've been. We'll always look back fondly on what happened here and on this place. The Israelites, once they'd gotten out of Egypt, they wanted so badly to go back to what they knew. They had full pots of stew. Now, they were oppressed and imprisoned and were forced to work long days in the hot sun and eventually do it without, make bricks without straw. But at least they knew that. <clears throat> they, they had no future there. But it was known to them. Don't we love the known? Human beings are lovers of same. <laughs> we love the same, don't we? Do it the same. They changed the menu. I don't know where the eggs are. Just tell them what you want. You'll be fine. And we love this place. Did you, 
I can say this in this congregation because you probably get the newspaper. A lot of you get the newspaper still. Did you see the picture on Christmas Eve that was taken from that, pic, that corner all across this thing? Didn't you just love that picture of this church at 4 o'clock on Christmas Eve? And, and, and we love that. And it's just so gorgeous. But I remember that very same evening, or maybe it was Christmas morning, seeing that, that somebody posted online. And one of our members had posted, um, you know, that we're going and we're leaving the place. And it said, it's just not going to be the same. And then I don't know if they let their post get away from them before they wanted to, but that posted and then seemingly immediately within a few seconds afterwards they say, but it's going to be great in the new place. It's going to be great, but it's not going to be the same. Because here's the truth. For me, I'm not going to get all emotional on you, but Wednesday for me was a really, really hard day, the day they took these windows out. And I used to sit right down there, kind of where Ron Knapp's sitting as a little kid, the Jesus window, I, I, no comments on Pastor Lamb or Pastor Kellums. They were probably fantastic preachers, but I was a kid. It was just for me. So I knew every intricate detail of that window. I, I know what it says. I know where the dove is. I know where the water is. I know the way Jesus got his hand positioned. So that was a pretty hard day. Because one thing I know, even no, long, no matter how long we stay in this room, it's, it's not the same. There will be more hard days for us as a congregation as we get ready to move. You know, sometimes when you move, they have goodbye parties for you. So, sometimes it's to make sure you go, but usually it's to tell you how much they loved you while you were here. And there will be some hard days along the way because we grieve because so many good things have happened here. I, I, I was singing intently the songs this morning, but I realized as the choir was, was singing, I've married six of their kids in here. And that doesn't count all of you. A lot of good things have happened here. So we're going to grieve it, but we're only going to grieve it because it's good. You never grieve the bad. When something bad happens, say, Oof, glad that's over with. But, but we're going to grieve because so many great things have happened in here, and, and we love it so much, and praise the Lord. So it's okay. There'll be some difficult days, but we are going somewhere very important. We're going to God's future for us, and it's very important. We are going somewhere very important, God's future for us. You see, Israel had to go. <laughs> They were in Egypt, and they had to go. They couldn't stay any longer because the story of God and God's people could not be halted by their preferences. It didn't matter what they preferred. It mattered what they were supposed to do. God's plan for humanity needs the Israelites to follow him. They need to follow his purpose and go. Their faithfulness is the going. Now, please understand this about, about Israelites and about us. Their faithfulness is going. Their struggle is going. Their profound humanness in their going is instructional for us. God's chosen people struggled with what he had chosen for them. They kept asking, are you sure, God? What about this golden calf thing? I think that might work out for us a little bit better. They're going, though. Now, hear this. Their very movement, not all of which was positive, was essential for the glorification of God in the world. It was absolutely essential. In their move comes intimacy with God. 
In their move comes the institution of the law, the Ten Commandments from God. And we sometimes say that the, the, the laws are the things that push us down. But that's not why God gave the laws. God, God gave the laws because it's our, his hope of how we'll live together in intimacy with him. When we voluntarily and joyfully follow the law and align our will with the will of God. See, when we look at Marian Methodists, we're moving away from here, but we better move a lot more than just our stuff. If that's all we're doing, if all we're doing is, is moving from one house to the other, that is a colossal and very expensive failure. We believe that we're going into God's unknown because God is calling us there. We believe that God has great plans for us in our new home and, and, and exciting things to do in this in this metro area. I, I try to mention football in every sermon, but I can't get it in today. So I'm, I'm going to mention sec social media for the second time. On one of the social media groups that I'm a part of, th th there was a picture this week of from the corner of our sanctuary, just the mass of the sanctuary. Some of you probably saw it. It's just a big, right now it's just a big mass of concrete. And someone, not part of our church, posted, I didn't know Marion needed such a big church. And I had a couple of people say, man, you got to respond to that. You got to respond to that. I'm like, no, they, they don't get it because here's the thing. When I hear that, I didn't know Marion needed such a big church. There's 40,000 people in Marion and less than half of them are Christians. I pray that our church is too small. The very reason that the building committee is building a flat floor in it is because we have planned in the sanctuary for it to become something else made by the people that follow us because they blow that thing up so big. We've provided a lot of grass space out there where they can build the sanctuary that this church is going to need. I hope they turn it all into education space or a dining hall or whatever. I hope the thing we're building right now is so small that we get out there and say, we got to build. Won't that be exciting? <laughs> but I pray with fervor our mission statement to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. I, I pray that you're saying it. I pray that you're praying it. I pray that Marion needs a church way bigger than what we're building. Because I think it does. But God's future for us is taking us somewhere physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And it's very exciting. And so, <clears throat> let me take it home to a very exciting end game here today. Preparation for a faithful move is absolutely essential. Question is then, are you prepared for the movement of God? Are you prepared for, the, for God to move with, within us? The Israelites were following instructions. That's what Vicki said about the scriptures. The, the Israelites are given very specific instructions. Their do this list is about their faithfulness. They're cut the lamb a certain way, pick the certain lamb, cook it a certain way, put the, door, the blood on the doorstep, wear your clothes a certain way. That's their, their do list, and they do it out of faithfulness, but their doing that is not the movement of God. It prepares for the movement of God. Faithfulness is what the faithful do. The faithful of Israel make the menu the way they're supposed to do. They kill the lamb the way they're supposed to do. They get the perfect lamb the way they're supposed to do. They put the blood on the doorstep the way they do. They consume their food dressed, ready to go. Are you guys big eaters in your car? Go. I, I'm not a to-go guy. You know, I, I don't really get it. I think God made tables for people to sit down and share time and put food on. This happened this week. All right? 
I'm driving up back towards the church, and this, this let's person, let's call her a lady, all right, pulls out a Zio Janos. Okay, I get it, Zio Janos. And I get up to the, to the corner, and she's going to go on North 10th Street, and I pull up beside her, and she's got a plate of spaghetti right here between her and her steering wheel and a fork. And I don't know where her coffee or drink is, but I get eating a breakfast burrito, but, but she's got this and a piece of French bread hanging out of here, and I'm like, I don't need to buy you a table. I'm just not an eat-on-the-go kind of guy. But if the Lord tells you eat on the go, then you got to eat on the go. And, and the, the, the Israelites are eating dressed to go. Tuck your belt into the rope. So it's a sign if you, if you I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Israeli clothing, but it's a sign of their faith that God is telling them to go. They're, they're, it's like the way God instructs this, if we were to say like today, it would say put on your, your Nikes and your, and your running clothes because you're going to run right after this. That, that's what it is, okay? By dressing the way they're supposed to dress, they expressed, they, they, they expressed their faith in God and they expected God to move in them. Our building of the church out there on REC Drive is our faithfulness. The action of God is yet to come. The action of God is going to blow through that place, but it can only come from God. Our, God, our job is to prepare for God to move. Have you ever heard of the phrase semper paratus? It's a Latin phrase, semper paratus. It's, it's the United States Coast Guard's motto. You know what it means, semper paratus? How many of you took Latin Catholic school kids? Semper paratus. Always ready. That's what it means. It always ready. See, semper paratus is beneficial for, for the Christian for us in this situation. Let, let me tell you why. John Terry, who's here today, is our construction manager, and he keeps saying things to keep us moving forward, but kind of put you on edge a little bit. Last week, he said to me, so 12 weeks, are you ready? 12 weeks. You know, I've got kids that are signing up to have their children baptized first. I have three families who want to have the first baptism out there. I have one couple that'll come to our next service that they want to be the first wedding. They're getting married in June, so chop, 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 right? But in 12 weeks, according to our builder, we'll be pretty close to end. That's not very long. The parable of the bridesmaid that Jesus tells, there's these 10, 10 bridesmaids, and, and, uh, and having oil was a big thing because it keeps your candles going and all that kind of stuff. But the story that Jesus tells is that five of them were unprepared. They ran out of oil. And you didn't know when the bridegroom was coming. And so they asked their bridesmaids, give us some oil. Can we share the oil? And they're like, no, get your oil. You should have come prepared. They go off to buy their oil. And when they're off trying to buy their oil, the, brides, the bridegroom comes. And the party starts without them because they're not prepared. Jesus himself tells us that we know we're to be prepared. The, ex the, the expression that haunts the human condition, that haunts me all the time, that haunts you all the time too, is when we get to a moment we say, ah, I wasn't ready for this. I, I just wasn't prepared for this. These are the moments to get ready. So Christians, prepare yourself to move for God in the world. Let God's attitude be your attitude put on humility and repentance and allow God to change you. 
really act to see others as valuable. You know, to pray for others is really important. And please don't say, oh, dear God, my friend's a Republican, please change the word. Oh, dear God, my friend's a Democrat, please change, whatever. That's not prayer. See people of other cultures, of other colors, of other theological and political ilk as valuable people. And pray that God might move in their lives and act on their behalf. And don't be afraid to share the good news of God openly. Many of us in this congregation sang that little song, Hide It Under a Bushel. No! And yet, it's been a long time since we told anything or anyone the good news of God and how much he loves us and wants this church to grow. And maybe this is for men, but I'm going to ask you to give your watch to God. If you really want to prepare for God to move in your life, you need to have meaningful time, effective time in worship and prayer. Don't cheer for the end of worship. I have someone in every service that says, I say, go look at the sign. It says when we start, not when we stop. There's people here today cheering that one of the games on television today will go into overtime. I set my DVR because I can't watch them in real life with an hour and a half extra time just in case they go into overtime. We hate that. We want that. All Americans are praying for revival, but don't go over five minutes in church. Amen. No, because if you guys started cheering right now saying, Pastor Mike, give us 10 more minutes. Give us 10 more minutes. I will say the band will wait. They'll be in a little late. I'll go an extra 10 minutes if you want them to. I've got it all loaded. I'm, I'm ready to go. But we cheer for things. So, so, you know, to be a good Christian, give your watch to God, would you? And trust the mover. Trust the mover. You know, it's always surprising when I get in a Bible study, and I'm in one right now with a group of guys that we're memorizing a verse every week, how often when you're memorizing a verse, it comes up over and over again. And so as I was getting this talk ready, which was separate from our men's Bible study, we're studying Proverbs 3 right now, memorizing Proverbs 3. You know what Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 is? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not onto your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. That's trust in the mover. That's trust in the mover. Follow God in all of your situations. Prepare. He will make your path straight. You know, if we follow the mover, and if we trust the mover, all that God has prepared for us will come true in his time and in his way. So trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Let us pray. God, we thank you for today. You are the mover among all movers. We praise you and honor you for that which you are doing and have done here in this congregation, here in these buildings, and plan to do even more in the new ones. In Jesus' name we pray.